Attention, all stations, calling all stations. Clear the air lanes, clear all air lanes for the big broadcast. The big broadcast. Welcome to the big broadcast, an evening of comedy, drama, adventure, and music from the glory days of radio. It's the place where you'll hear your old favorites along with rare, never-before-rebroadcast radio recordings, all for you on the big broadcast. Now your hosts, Mark Magistrelli and Mike Martini. And for the next three hours, we transport you back to the world before, well, the world before TikTok, the world before the Internet, the world before television, the world where the dominant medium was audio only the magic of radio, and we get things started with one of the most irrepressible characters to plant himself in front of a microphone, Mr. Phil Harris. And this week, Phil and Alice are heading out on a family picnic, and uh, I wonder if alcohol is involved at all. With Alice, she'd be behind a tree, <laughs> quietly sipping you know, something of a higher grade, and you know that Frankie and Phil are off spiking the lemonade. This is from May 29th of 1949, Phil Harris and Alice Faye, The Family Picnic, on the big broadcast. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday, time for the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family drugs. Good evening. This is your Rexall family druggist, taking a little time from behind the prescription counter this Sunday evening to speak for all 10,000 of us. The 10,000 independent druggists who have added the word Rexall to our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign on our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. They range all the way from aspirin to penicillin, and they're as fine and pure and dependable as science can make them. We independent druggists recommend them to our customers because we know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, Anne Whitfield, Walter Sharpley's music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. For the past three weeks, Alice and the children have been after Phil to take them on a picnic. Reluctantly, Phil has finally agreed, and today is the day. The family arose at six, and as we look in, we find them at the breakfast table. Just one more spoonful, honey, and you'll be all finished. Now open your little mouth and I'll... Mommy, when do I eat? As soon as I finish feeding your daddy. <laughs> Phil, please open your eyes and feed yourself. Phil! Phil, wake up! Huh? What? Oh, oh, it's you, Alice. Where are we? We're at the dining room table. When do we eat? You already ate. Oh, oh, delicious dinner. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I think I'll go to bed early tonight. Now, don't forget, kids, we're all getting up bright and early tomorrow to go on that picnic. <laughs> Daddy, today is 
the day we're going on the picnic. And we'd better hurry. It's 6.30 already. 6.30? Ooh, what you said. <laughs> now go stand in the corner. 6.30. I haven't been up this early since I used to go to bed this late. <laughs> Why did we have to get up in the middle of the night like this? Well, it was your idea, Father. You're having an early band rehearsal so we can get started at 9 o'clock. Hey, that's right. You know, I told the boys to be at the studio at 7.30. Try not to be long, Daddy. Gee, we can't wait to get started. Oh, boy, we're going to have a lot of fun at the Girls, please. Gee whiz, not so much noise at this hour of the morning. (laughs) My delicate little ears are not orientated yet. Let's keep everything nice and quiet and sedate. Good morning, Philip. <laughs> oh, no, not at 6.30. Alice, tell this night-blooming Jasmine to go home. Oh, Phil, I invited Willie to go on the picnic with us. And I hope we start soon. I can't wait to get out in the country and walk through the wooded glens and the dewy meadows. <laughs> At this time of the year, everything is in bud. The flowers are in bloom. Well, the birds are on the wing. And Mother Nature is awakening up. Thank you, Madam Schumann Hike. <laughs> you certainly get carried away with things, don't you? You just. Wait a minute. I just got my eyes focused on you. Willie, what are you wearing? My Bavarian hiking outfit. <laughs> oh, get the rig on the little half-brow. <laughs> Willie, I wish you wouldn't wear that costume. Why not? We're going to a picnic, not a bun meeting. <laughs> Certainly. Look at him in those short pants. Hey, Willie, are those muscles in your legs or are your socks lined with walnuts? <laughs> Why don't you get lost, Clyde? <laughs> Why, William? You're stealing my character. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Good evening. This is your Rexall family druggist taking a look. Down, Rex. <laughs> and take that aspirin with you. Well, you'd better get down to your band rehearsal. In the meantime, I'll start making our picnic lunch. And remember, Phil, don't invite anybody else. Just the five of us are going. Okay, honey, I'll be back in an hour or so. (laughs) Gentlemen, before we start, I want to thank you for getting down here at 7.30. I know you're not accustomed to arising at this early hour, and I appreciate it. And now, if you will, let's run through my song. And remember, I want it pianissimo, good and loud. <laughs> All right, fellas, a one, a two, a five-foot-two, has a blue, but oh, what those five feet can do. Has anybody seen? Has anybody seen? Oh, fellas, wake up, will you? <laughs> I said wake up. I know how to get them up. Jacks are better. I open for two dollars. How sleepy can they get? This one never fails. Everybody step up to the bar. The drinks are on me. 
Oh, they must be dead. <laughs> Fine bunch of guys, and I was thinking of giving them all a bonus. How much? Who cares? We'll take it. Never mind. <laughs> they take a fine time to turn up their hearing aids. What's the idea of getting us up this time of the morning? You trying to make us unhealthy? You can't do this to us just because you're the boss. That a bloated capitalist is trying to exploit us. Down with Harris! Let's burn him in effigy. <laughs> all right, all right, cut it out. You fellas can't get up early because you don't live right. Wine, women, and song ain't good for a guy. Why not? Too much singing ruins your win. <laughs> if you live like normal human beings, you wouldn't have any trouble. The only one in the band who I didn't hear gripe is Remley, and you know why? Yeah, you ain't here yet. <laughs> <laughs> ain't here yet, huh? Well, wait till he shows up. I'll tell him a thing or two. I'll let him know who's boss of this outfit, and I'll... Hiya, curling. <laughs> well, if it isn't two-toned eyes. <laughs> Mr. Remley, the band rehearsal was called for 7.30. Everybody shows up on time but you. Why are you so late? I got a good excuse. What? I didn't feel like getting up. <laughs> I don't like this getting up at daybreak. Not daybreak. It might interest you to know that the sun has been up for two hours. Well, bully for old Sal. <laughs> if old Sal could rise at 5.30, why couldn't you? Sal wasn't out with a car hop until 4.30. <laughs> hey, how come you called rehearsal so early? Because we're going on a picnic. Good. I love them. I have a lot of fun at picnics. You ain't gonna have a lot of fun at this one. Why not? Because you ain't going. <laughs> Just for my family and not you. Well, things have come to a pretty pass when a man's family means more to him than his best friend. <laughs> After all the years we've been pals, the things we've done together, you prefer your family to me. Why? <laughs> Why? Francis. <laughs> it's time you realize that blood is thicker than bourbon. Remley, it's not me. Alice doesn't want you. Alice who? <laughs> All right, now let's get to work. Now get your guitar. We're going to run over my number. I don't feel much like playing. Well, you're going to play anyway. Now give me an A on that thing. Be darned, he did it. <laughs> All right, fellas. Now we're going to do the same number that the same. <laughs> Frankie, stop crying. I want to go on the picnic. <laughs> all right, all right, you can go. Wipe your nose. <laughs> now, for goodness' sake, let's rehearse my number. Yeah, let's get it over with so we can all go to the picnic. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I invited Remley. I didn't invite the rest of you. You're not going. Oh, we're not, huh? Then we ain't playing. You'll do as I tell you. You're going to play while I sing. Okay, we'll start even and race you to see who finishes first. It's in the <laughs> rehearsal, not a track meet. 
Now, you guys are going... Are you going to play or not? Are we going on a picnic? No. <laughs> all right, all right. All right. Never heard such a bunch of big babies. Now, look, you can all stop by Miller's Lake a little later and have a bite to eat with us. Now, come on, will you? Let's have it. Five foot two, eyes of blue. But oh, what those five feet could do. Has anybody seen my gal? Turned up nose, turned down hose, flabber. Yes, sir, one of those. Has anybody seen my gal? Now, if you run into a five foot two, all covered with fur, diamond rings and lovely things, you can bet your life that isn't her. But could she love? Could she woo? Could she, could she, could she coo? Has anybody seen my gal? Here comes Cutie through the door. Five foot two? No, five foot four. Uh-uh, fellas, you ain't seen my gal. Now she's the cutest gal in town. Eyes of blue? No, eyes of brown. Nah, fellas, you ain't seen my gal. If we run into a five foot two with eyes of blue with a turned up nose and a roll down home. You can bet your life it's you know who and could she love and could she coo? Could she, could she, could she coo? Has anybody seen his? Five foot two with eyes of blue. But oh, what those five foot could do. Has anybody seen my gal? Yes, sir, one of those. Has anybody seen my gal? Now, if you run into a five foot two all covered with fur, diamond rings and pretty things, you can bet your life it isn't her. But could she love? Could she woo? Could she, could she, could she coo? Has anybody seen my gal? gets here soon. I have the lunch all packed and I'm so anxious to Hey, honey, up. it's me. Are you all ready to go? Oh, yes, and I'm glad you got home early. Oh, it'll be a nice outing for us. Willie and you and me and the children. We'll have a wonderful time, won't we, darling? You said it, sweetheart. <laughs> oh, it's you. Frankie. Uh, well, you'll have to excuse us, Frankie. You see, we're going on a picnic. Just the family. The children. We don't want any outsiders. That's the way it should be, Mom. <laughs> we ready to leave? Phil, this picnic was supposed to be just for the family. Why did you have to ask anybody else? You can invite Willie, I can invite Frankie. One bad turn deserves another. <laughs> oh, honey, surely you don't mind Frankie coming. Don't begrudge the kid a little pleasure. After all, this... Poor, woe-be-gone waif has no family all alone in the world. All right, all right. Little orphan Annie can come. You won't regret this, ma'am. <laughs> when my daddy Warbucks gets back from Africa, he'll repay you. <laughs> hey, honey, have you got enough food for everybody? Well, I think so. I have 18 sandwiches. That should be enough for six. Um... Alice, uh, uh, you better make a few more. How many more? 
120. <laughs> um, the band is coming. The band, too? Oh, now I'll have to go in and make 120 sandwiches. Stay out of that kitchen, Mom. This is your day. Oh, look, I'll call the market and tell them to make them up, and then we'll have Julius deliver them to Miller's Lake. Now, look, while I'm calling, you people get in the car. Alice, you sit up in front with me. Frankie, you ride in the back with the kids. Shall I put the lunch basket in the trunk? Don't be inconsiderate. We don't want Willie to be cramped back there. <laughs> I'm glad you parked here. This is a beautiful spot. Come on, Alice. Let's go waiting in the lake. Wait a minute. Wait a minute now. Before we have fun, we all got work to do, and everybody's got to pitch in. Willie, you unload the car. Frankie, you get some water. Kids, you gather firewood. And Alice, you start the fire. What are you going to do? Take a nap under this tree. (laughs) I'm the captain. Work, Philip, because I'm going down to the lake. There's some very beautiful colored pebbles down there. I want to take some home with me. You better go along and help him, Phyllis. He might come across a heavy one. (laughs) Phil, stop picking on Willie. He's not as weak as he looks. That's telling him, sis. I happen to be an outdoor man. Outdoor man. The last time we were out in the country, the squirrels dragged you up in a tree. (laughs) Yes, but it took two of them to do it. Come on, let's get to work. Frankie, will you take the food out of the car and spread it out over there? Well, there's a lot of ants and flies around. Well, I have some DDT in the car. Get it and spray all around, huh? Okay. Hey, honey, we forgot to bring ice to keep this milk cold. It'll turn sour. Oh, no, it won't. Just take the bottle of milk and put it in the lake. That'll keep it cold. Okay. Well, now that I've got them all working, I think I'll be the captain and take a nap under the tree. Gosh, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> Special lad I was encouraging Every likely laddie was my healing fling No glad I was glancing Well, nothing really worth the mentioning Hoping, watching, waiting for the real, real thing Though they spoke me soft in the moonlit dark one would Lucky lad, in the fling I was flung with you. Oh, now my heart is prancing. Nothing about you I'd be altering. The years are weathering the hammer on the heather with my one and only even
sing. I'm working my little fingers to the bone. She's lying there singing. <laughs> Frankie, did you finish spraying? Yeah, I sprayed that DDT all over the place. There isn't a fly or an ant around anymore. I sprayed the trees, the grass, the rocks, everything. Well, I hope there aren't any ants in the food. They won't go near the food. How do you know? I sprayed that, too. <laughs> oh, Frankie, I didn't tell you to spray the food. You didn't have to. I was smart enough to figure that out. <laughs> Now we can't eat. Oh, Frankie, what's the matter with you? Were you born stupid? No, I had a teacher. <laughs> well, gee, Alice, I didn't Hey, know honey, you. I put the milk in the lake like you told me. Well, thank goodness somebody did something right. There's only one thing that bothers me. What? When we're ready to use it, how do we get it back in the bottle? <laughs> Uh, Alice, this is the teacher I was telling you about. Oh, this is a fine picnic. You pour the milk in the lake and Frankie sprays the food with DDT. Now, nah, don't get excited, Alice. I'll fix the sandwiches. I'll take them down to the lake and wash them out. They'll be good as new. Oh, you too. The children are getting hungry and we haven't got a thing to eat. Why don't you sell it? Hey, it's Julius. We got something to eat. Bless your little heart, Junior. Quit patting me on the head. <laughs> Want to make it soft or something? <laughs> Good old Julius. Oh, Julius, you don't know how glad I am to see you. I could kiss you, kid. You lay one liver lip on me, Mac, and I'll let you just have it. <laughs> oh, Julius, you're a lifesaver. You don't mind if I kiss you, do you? Oh, I'm There. You can burn my rompers, mother. Today I am a man. Julius, <laughs> <laughs> did you bring some milk? Milk? No, Mr. Harris didn't order any. Oh, the children should have milk. Phil, you'll just have to get some. We're 20 miles out of town. Where can I get milk around here? Shall I have a try at her, Lum? <laughs> okay, you try her, Lum, and I'll try her, Abner. <laughs> well, fetch me a pail, we'll drain her crankcase. Now, wait a minute, fellas. You don't know anything about milking cows. What's the no? Now, look, you stay here and get the food ready. I'll get that milk and two shakes of a lamb's tail. That ain't the way you get it, fellas. <laughs> Are you guys really going to try to milk that cow? Sure. Oh, this I got to see. I'm going with you. All right, come on. Now, Phil, please be careful. Careful, careful, careful. I think it's a big project to milk a cow. <laughs> I know what I'm doing every morning. <laughs> Let's see now. Where can that cow be? That's it, right in front of you. <laughs> This is a cow? Let me try that reading again. This is a cow? When I get a good one, tape it, will you? We can... Go ahead, I give up, Julius. I'm sorry I took your life. She looks like a blind date I once had in Pomona. Hey, Remley, put the pail under and let's get the milk. Under where? 
<laughs> you don't know nothing. Put it under the rudder. <laughs> oh. Okay, it's under. All right, Elsie, let her go. <laughs> Elsie, and make it homogenized. <laughs> Is the pail filled up yet, Remley? She ain't given. <laughs> no, I wonder why. You forgot to say please. Oh, why? <laughs> all right, all right, Elsie, we're waiting. Come on, cow, stop horsing around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, try, will you, Els? <laughs> All we want is two lousy quarts. You don't have to put no cream in it. Hey, Curly, maybe these spigots are stopped up. <laughs> Must need new washers. Let's get a hammer and tap them. I'll go back to the car and get a monkey wrench. Why don't you go into town and get a plumber? <laughs> I can't understand, Remley, why Elsie's so reluctant. Curly, I just happened to think of something. They get butter from cows, too, don't they? Yeah. Maybe this is a butter cow. <laughs> True. Could be a cheese cow, too. True. Oh, I know everybody's got a right to be a moron, but these guys are abusing the butter. <laughs> Hey, he's gonna show us how to milk it. He thinks he's gonna get. He's gonna think he's gonna get. He's getting it. Well, I'll be darned. So that's the way to do it. What will they think of next? Say, Al, there's nothing to it. How do you like that? Two quarts and three quarter times. <laughs> Remarkable, wasn't it? Remarkable. Hey, have you worked with this cow before, kid? You do a great job today. He's beautiful, isn't he? Tremendous. Sure, you ought to take that cow on the road. You're great. <laughs> just got a thought. Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody invented a beer cow? Yeah, with, with four taps, you could get Pilsner, Ale, Bach, and Beethoven. <laughs> oh, we'll be right there. Hey, Alice, we got the milk. Be a monkey's ass, they did it. Hey, look at all that food. It looks wonderful. Let's eat, Mommy. We're starved. All right. Uh, Phil, you and Frankie sit there. Will you and Who's that in the truck? Hey! Hey, look at the guys in the band. Hiya, fellas. Hey, fellas, look at the food. Let's have at it. Get ready, Hello, boys. Alice, you better get out of the way. There's Stampede. Hey, look at them go for that food. Some guys are eating today like there's no tomorrow. Hey, fellas. Fellas, cut it out. We didn't eat yet. Bill, hide the children. Fellas, let's let's eat. Let's go, gang. What happened? Off of your car. They didn't leave a thing. Hey, they... Curly. What? 
Wasn't Julia sitting here a minute ago? <laughs> Do you think they... No! Hey, let me throw them out in the spring! That pack of cannibals, they ate the coat right off my back! <laughs> and what you get for wearing a herringbone jacket? <laughs> oh, what a day. Come on, Phil, let's go home. It's been a miserable picnic. Oh, no, honey, it hasn't been as bad as you think. It's only... Willie, will you stop scratching yourself? What's the matter with you? Well, I don't know, Philip. I seem to be itching and I have the bumps all over my body. Willie, you've got poison ivy. You see, Alice, every cloud has a silver lining. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. But first, here's your Rexall family druggist. Last week, when old man Sal began to convince me that summer is really here, I told the customer, you know, for the next few months, I'd like to be a vitamin in Rexall's big laboratory. For heaven's sake, why? Because it would be such a wonderful way to spend the summer. I still don't get you. Well, then, picture a nice big air-conditioned room where the temperature is kept at about 60 degrees all the year round. Doesn't that sound pretty pleasant and comfortable on a warm day like this? Well, yes, it does. Well, a room just like that in Rexall's laboratory is where certain valuable and important drugs are stored. Things like vitamins, citric acid, malt, and others. You see, certain drugs are more fragile in their chemical composition than others and have a tendency to deteriorate or evaporate at high temperatures. So, in order to keep them at the correct potency, Rexall's men of science let them enjoy this air-conditioned comfort until they're ready to be used. Sounds like nothing's too good for a Rexall drug product. You can say that again, ma'am. In fact, you could say it a couple of thousand times because it's true of all the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. All of them get the same kind of painstaking attention. All of them are compounded according to the same uncompromising standards. And that's why some 10,000 independent Rexall druggers have put the orange and blue Rexall sign on their windows. You see, we all know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. Folks, when you're driving on the highways this weekend, take it easy, will you? Don't be in a hurry. Remember, it's better to be late Mr. Jones than to be the late Mr. Jones. Good night and have fun over the weekend. Take it easy. Let them do the speeding at Indianapolis. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. From May of 1949, Phil Harris and Alice Faye on a family picnic on tonight's big broadcast. Lights Out is next, but this is an interesting episode to me, at least. It's the earliest one that we've played, certainly in the past year, here on the big broadcast. And you'll notice it sounds quite different. This was done on NBC. There's actually an orchestra, wow. which is quite different because... The ones that we've heard come from the wartime CBS run of Lights Out. They're very stripped down. They have a very distinct sound, very basic by comparison. But here we have the NBC musicians backing up a major Hollywood star. There weren't any stars that I remember on the wartime show, but in 1939, Franchot Tone came to the microphone to make an appearance in Arch Obler's Immortal Gentleman. From June 16th of 1939, Lights Out on the Big Broadcast. It is 
later than you think. This is Arch Obler bringing you another in our series of stories of the unusual. And once again, we caution you. These lights out stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. The Immortal Gentleman. A melodrama about something every one of us has thought of at one time or another. If I could only live forever. Our star, Mr. Francho Tone, in Arch Obler's newest radio drama, The Immortal Gentleman. Beautiful that the hands of the sisters, death and night, incessantly, softly remold again and ever again the face of the soiled world. Now, don't be frightened, Joan. Please, don't be. Yes, I know I screamed. But don't be afraid for me. I'm all right, really, I am. No, no, don't say anything. Just listen. The reason that I screamed, it made me happy. Oh, what are you Oh, I know it sounds confused, but I can tell you freely now for the first time since I've known you. Tell me what? About what happened. Tell you about myself, and then you'll understand, and then we'll both be happy. Remember, you once said you never could be happy with me. Oh, please. No, please, don't say anything. If you do, I want to hold you in my arms. And I've got to talk this thing out first. Talk it out from the time before I knew you until a few moments ago when I screamed and frightened you. You know, you were right. I've been a coward. But not of men or things or living. Just of not living. You don't know what I mean, do you? Must I say it? Must I say the word? All right, I will. I've been afraid of death. Yes, believe me, Joan, all my life it was that way. Even as a boy, I couldn't be happy because of him. So one thought was in me all through life. If I could only live forever, if I wouldn't die, if I could only live forever. The thought chasing itself in a never-ending circle. So there was no happiness. And the fear in me was in my face and in my work, and you knew it and everyone knew it, but they didn't know why. Tonight, the echo that is still in my ears, I cried out in fear in front of everyone. And I'm going to tell you why I cried out, and then you'll understand me. And why, I say, I'm free and happy for the first time in my life. And, Joan, if it's too strange to believe, just listen patiently. We were sitting in the auditorium, you and I. The politician up on the stage, talking, talking. In this coming election, I repeat again, the issue will be clear. An issue made clear by our glorious party. You young men and women... Sitting there, you next to me, I wasn't listening to him on the stage. I was thinking the same infernal thoughts I thought all my life whenever I was alone. Of him. Him. And then... Yes, to you. To every one of you here. A challenge that we must accept. Face and challenge in turn. Speaker's voice wasn't the same. I looked up. No, not the same. The other one, an old man, this one young. Couldn't quite see his face, so dark in the hall. Had something happened to the lights? I turned toward you, said, Joan, when did the lights... I stopped. 
You, you weren't there. Believe me, not there. Another woman. Would you speak to me? She said that. I said, where, where's Joan? Joan? Well, she was sitting right next to me. She... You have her chair. Where did she, I mean, the young lady who was sitting here, where did she go? I've been here for hours. But she was here. Here, I tell you. Quiet, quiet, the speaker. The time has passed for pleadings. The time has passed for petitions. We are representative of youth. And youth is the time for action. So we must act. The speaker, yes, act. what did he matter? I sat there, couldn't figure it out. You, Joan, where had you gone? Could I have dozed off and you slipped out and this other woman taken your place? Yet, how strange you're leaving without a word. And then, wind. Wind in the auditorium. I looked up. The sky. No roof. A single star and clouds. No roof. Sleep? No, awake. I got up to go. No, no, sit down. No one can leave. But my friend... You have sworn to stay. You must. I sat down. Sworn to stay. What in the world... I sat down. You know there can be no compromise. There will be no compromise. For if we compromise, we are doomed as they have always doomed us. Speaker, what did he matter? No roof on the place. Crazy. How could a roof disappear in a moment without... I said to the girl, where's the roof? What's happened to this place? Where are we? You know. No? No. What? Well, I'd get out of the place. I'd find you, Joan. Started to go again with the girl's hand tight on my wrist. No, don't. You swore to stay. Swore? You swore. They swore. He speaks the truth. But what? Listen. Listen. Good then now, good friends. Let us put an end to words. This meeting of ours was destined. For 500 years, destined. What was he saying for 500 years, destined? For what? None of us can say we have moved quickly. For in the meditation of these 500 years has come the essence of truth. A truth that burns bright in the hearts of all of us. What kind of a political speech was that? And so an end to words. In this meeting we have spoken words which none dare question. Now the time has come for action which none dare deny us. The girl leaned close and whispered. None dare deny us. Deny us? Deny what? Wanted to yell out just the way I did a few moments ago, but I couldn't. Something about the place, the speaker, people around me. I, I could only sit there, questions pounding in my head. Youth is action. Action is youth. We will act together and make ourselves a new world, a better world, our world. Meeting over, everyone getting up. The girl said, Come with me. Where? You know. I know. Crowd pressing around me, dark, strange faces, young, angry faces, none of my friends. My friends? Well, where were they? Joan, where were you? The auditorium in ruins. As she led me out, I saw that. It was madness, yet a strangely intriguing madness, so I walked with her. Led me through a door. I could hear voices. She said... Stand here a moment. I want to talk to you. Tell me, why do you act so strangely? Don't you want to go through with it? Through with what? There. That's what I mean. You talk as if you don't know. I couldn't speak. Stood there. It's a glorious morning for all of us. We've waited 500 years, some of us, for this. 500 years? What was she... I said, 500 years? Well, perhaps not you, but I've waited 350 myself. What? What did you say? 350 years, and now I can't wait another moment. The thought of another empty day suffocates me. Am I insane or you? Insane? I don't know the word. Out of your head. 
You or I? You are a strange one. And yet you came here. Why? Well, to hear a speech? So, to hear but not to act, eh? You will. You will. All of us will. And then... The moonlight from under a cloud. And then... Her face. I saw her face clearly for the first time. Hers was a loveliness beyond the word. Sixteen. Seventeen. She couldn't have been more. Freshness of the morning. And yet her eyes, old, bright, wise, so strange, her old eyes and that young face. I stood there staring at her. I tell you this, if one of us fails, we all fail. And that can't happen. Remember that. Now come. They're waiting. Followed her. A room quite dark. Many people in it. Quiet, please. Quiet. There is little time to waste. We will now draw lots. Each of you take a paper as the box is passed. Most of the slips are blank. Only 24 are numbered. Whoever draws a numbered slip stays. The others go. Slips? Draw lots? What was this? Draw lots for what? Someone came close, held out a box. The girl said... Take a paper. I did? She did? The others did. She said... Look at the slip. I did. A number. 11. She said... Good. I too... Held out the paper in her hand. I saw the number 12 on it. You and I. You and I. She and I? What? All those without numbers leave. All those without numbers leave. The push of bodies around me. And in a moment, there were only a few left. The girl at my side, motionless. Now we can risk lights. And in a moment, lights began to glow. I stood there blinking, and then... I saw... 24 people in that room, men and women... Twenty-four, I counted them, and all of them looked alike. Yes, alike, I tell you, men and women, and their faces as the girls. Twenty-four faces alike as copies of pictures strung along the wall. They, in turn, were staring at me. Who is he? A voice said. Who is he? Another said. I don't know. I've never seen him before. Who is he? They came close around me. Not one of us. Who is he? Who is he? Not one of us. All those faces alike, staring, talking, staring, talking. The girl spoke. I knew it was she because her hand was on my arm. Leave him alone. He is an Atavar. An Atavar. Oh, an Atavar. Atavar. Atavar? What was an Atavar? I wanted to speak, but she spoke. He'll be all right. I'll see to that. But an Atavar is unpredictable. But I tell you, he'll be with me. He drew 11. I drew 12. He'll be with me. But they're undependable. You know that. Never can tell about an Atavar. But I'll take care Never of him. Never can tell. I'll take care of him. They stood there arguing about me, Joe. Yes, arguing about me. Whether I could, whether I would, whether I was reliable, unreliable. And always that word, Atavar. Atavar? Atavar? Mad dreams or mad adventure, whatever it was, I didn't know. Their argument stopped. Apparently, the girl had won. The leader said, All right, Atavar, you will be with her. Now, all of you, listen. This Atavar is with us, and with us, he'll stay until it's ended. Ended? Ended? What had begun? What would end? One question, Atavar. What is your age? My age? You want to know my age? Well, didn't you hear, Atavar? What is your age? The girl said, Tell him. My, my age is 25. What did you say? 25. Do not joke. Tell us your age. I told you, 25. For a moment, no one spoke. They looked at each other, shook their heads slowly, shoulders shrugged. A Natavar, just a Natavar. The girl said... Don't worry, any of you. I'll take care of him. He'll do as he's told. Do as he's told? Do what? Told to do what? I wanted to open my mouth. Then I didn't, because the leader said... All right, our last word. There are 24 of you. 
Twelve pairs. Each pair will go out together. If one fails, the other will succeed. But when? Now, at once. We have waited long enough for them. I alone have waited 400 years. And I, 200. 300. I, 425. I understood. Like a blow on the head, I understood. These people, mad. <laughs> that was it. Talking of living hundreds of years, out of their heads all of them. Listening to them, I knew that. 340 years. I've waited 170 years. And that explained the likeness of their faces. Some sort of weird interbreeding of a family resulting in feeble-mindedness. Well, how did I come among them? Went outside. The girl with me. Everyone going off in pairs. Their faces tense, angry. Going off to some strange madness. The girl said... Wait here. I'll get what we need, then we'll keep our appointment. Wait here. Joan, believe me, as she went off into the darkness, leaving me there alone, I swear my head was spinning as if it were on a pivot. And as it spun, the thoughts in my head spun with it. Madness. Dream. Madness. Dream. Madness. Dream. What was happening to me? And then a thought. Had what I'd feared all my life happened at last? Had I died? Suddenly was cold about it. Dead. But I was dead. Colder. Dead. Was I? And then someone was standing by me. Not the girl, but a man. Smooth, young, handsome face, with those old, wise eyes looking at me. He said, You have not started yet, Atavar. No. No. Strange I've never seen you before. There are so few Atavars. You know, generally they are not permitted to develop. And looking at him, I knew I was alive. Of course. And dream? This was no dream. Yes, there are so few Atavars. I said, Atavar? Atavars? What the devil are Atavars? <laughs> you are a strange one. Well, tell me, what are Atavars? Why call me an Atavar? Well, because you are. You're not like us, you know. You are a throwback to the individualistic, unconditioned, embryonic development. What? <laughs> but then, of course, you don't understand, do you? No, an Atavar wouldn't. Well, tell me. It is strange that they should have permitted you to develop and not to have explained to you the difference. What difference? What? Once in every 2,000 births, and that means once in every 2,000 years, we don't have many new ones in this world, you know, something happens in the incubation process, and instead of one of us perfected ones, one of you develops. A throwback to ancient times, an imperfect creature, out of the past. In other words, an atavism. Understand? An atavism. Atavism? Atavar, atavism. What the devil's name was this? But he kept talking. He said, Yet, Atavar, though you are, life must be miserable for you as it is for the rest of us. Life? Miserable? Well, of course. Why else would you have joined with us? Oh, this is going to be a glorious night for us. But not for them. I... I don't understand exactly what... <laughs> of course not. Things would be confused for the Atavar mind, wouldn't they? That's the infernal trouble with our minds. Things are much too clear and concise and understandable. They bred all the confusion out of us a long time ago. Well, now they'll pay for it. Please, tell me... Just look at me. I've lived just a handful of years, 250. He said that, Joan. Just believe me, 250 years. And yet, believe me, Atavar, I'm weary unto the death we'll never know. Death we'll never know. What good is there in it for any of us living forever? 
living forever. For the first 50 years of our lives, they condition us. All right. We come out with our brains filled with all knowledge of all time. Paragons all. Geniuses all. But what good does it do us? What good? Always they are in the way. They? Look, Adiva, you can't be so completely a fool or they would never have let you out. They are the old ones. And what is interesting and exciting in the world, they do. They and no one else. And we who came after them, after they conditioned the world against sickness, illness, age, and death, we have nothing left to do. I see. They hold the key positions. They. And we stand by and grind the weary years away in nothingness. A world of youth full of the want to do and there's nothing to do. And yet there are worlds out there where we might go, but again they stand in our way and say, no, it shouldn't be done. They. They, the old ones, all around us, holding us down, giving us everlasting life, and then giving us nothing to live for. This night will change it. You and I and the rest of us, 24. Well, here comes your partner, and I must go with mine. Goodbye, Atavar. Good luck. He was gone. And then the girl at my side, under her arm, a small black box. All right, we can go now. She took my arm. We walked along. In almost a moment, we were in a straight, broad street. Straight, shiny, glistening, bright with a light I've never seen. Quiet, empty street, clean, bright, and strange, as if in a dream. A dream? This was no dream. And then she said... In here. We stepped upon a platform, part of the sidewalk. It was moving, carrying us swiftly, swiftly down the street. An escalator, moving sidewalk, I don't know what. Faster, faster, things rushing by. Strange, towering buildings. And then I heard that she was talking to me. I saw you talking to Aro. He has the easy one. We've a hard one. 250 years, he said. Aro? Yes, that's true. Live 250 years? It isn't much, I know. You must be older. Or are you? Hard to tell with an Atavar. How old are you? I? 400. 400 years but not of living. What do you mean? You know. They, with all their years. Before we were born, they took the work of the world, and what is left for us? To wander up and down, pretty ornaments with empty lives. But they forgot one thing. They left ambition in us. And this night we'll find a place to use it. How? Adivar, you are a fool. You know, and yet you don't know. How can we find a place for ourselves as long as they do as they please? In the very ancient world, men lived a few years and then died. And they thought that was horrible, but that was good. For when they died, there was a place for youth. Yes, one would fall in his place and a young one took his place. Sometimes he did better than the one who had gone before, so the world progressed. But now no one falls, no one dies. And so the old ones stay and stay and stay and we, the young ones, have no place. And when we want to make a place, the old ones say no. The thing we were riding climbed higher. Higher. And still she talked. We pleaded and petitioned, and they do not listen. So tonight we act. You and I, Adivar, one of 24. Act? By turning back the time to when men died and gave the younger ones their place. What? The wrong of each man died with him when he died in that old world. And so tonight we'll see that wrongs are given their belated rest. How? You and I, Adivar, we'll do our part. Up there. She was pointing up. I looked up to where the building ended. In a cloud. She sits up there. 5,000 years she's lived every day since the day science shut out death. 5,000 years, but tonight we begin to live. Here, 
Into my hand, she thrust the black container. I said, What? You'll do it. You. In a moment, we reach the spire. She'll come out all smiles and happiness. They can be happy, the old ones who have the work. Do it then, you must. What? Throw it at her, and she'll be free of life, and we'll be free of life without living. You'll do it, Ethabar, you will. Throw it at her. Throw it? What? The thing in my hands? What did she mean, to free that person up there from life? The weight in my hands. Then, suddenly, I realized. Some kind of explosive. She expected me to throw it at that person up in the tower. Me, to kill. You will. You will. No. No. The word tore through my head, and with it, tore away confusion. I knew. I understood. This was the world of the future, where science had doomed the death I feared. Men lived forever, and these young ones had no chance. And now they were out to kill and make their chance, and I was to kill for them, with them. You will. You will. You will. No. You no. will. Not you will. Not you will. Mine. You I'm will. Go back. You will. I'm saying that. I you will. will. There she is, the matriarch. Throw it. Throw it. I won't kill. Not I. I won't. Give it to me. Give me that. Give me that. No. I jumped. I was falling through the horrible space of that horrible future. Down and down and down. The glistening sides of the building rushing past me. Down. Twisting. Clawing at the air. Down and down. And then I remembered in my arms that explosive. I tried to throw it, but my hands tight around it. I couldn't unlock them. The ground coming up. I screamed. And there I was. Sitting next to you in the hall where I'd been before, the politician upon the stage, my friends around me, you next to me, frightened at my cry. <laughs> and the roof quite intact above me. So here it ends, Joan. Sitting there, I stepped ahead in time until a day when men had conquered death. And so somehow I... I'm not afraid of him, the one at my shoulder anymore. Because I think it's good that men should live, then die, and so end the evil in them and give their place to others. Tell me, Joan, do you agree? Beautiful that the hands of the sisters, death and night, incessantly, softly remold again and ever again the face of this soiled world. From June of 1939, Francho Tone starred in tonight's Lights Out Everybody. Coming up in our next hour of the big broadcast, Mystery and Horror, beginning with The Shadow and The Circle of Death. And Boris Karloff comes our way with an inner sanctum mystery. It's all ahead on the big broadcast.
comedy, drama, music, and more. It's all ahead as the big broadcast continues.